0: Welcome to the Chad Harrison Insights podcast. In our new audio series, we'll be tackling the trending topics from our specialist sectors and talking to thought leaders to get their take on the events that are shaping their industry.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to CH Insights. Today, I'm going to be sitting down with Andrea Seekhardt, the CEO of Orkin Energy, and we're going to be discussing waste heat to power. Waste heat to power refers to the process of capturing heat discarded by an existing thermal process and using that heat to generate power. Waste heat to power reduces pollution, equipment size and auxiliary energy consumption. The global waste-to-heat power market size grew from $15.83 billion in 2022 and forecasted to be $18.48 billion in 2023, and it's expected to grow to $66 billion by 2032. Europe is the largest region in the waste heat to power market in 2022, and by increasing energy efficiency, you can greatly reduce CO2 emissions to astonishingly low levels. Before co-founding Orkin Energy in 2008, Dr. Andreas Zichert worked at IBM in Germany in the field of application development and management consulting and as a scientific editor at the Technical University of Munich. He studied physics at TUM, where he also completed his PhD. He is an alumnus of Bayerische Elite Academy, the Sloan Schwartz Foundation, and a supporter of TUM's startup commitment. From 2014 to 2017, he was a member of the SME Advisory Board of the Federal Ministry for Economic Affairs and Climate Action. He has published several scientific articles and is named inventor in the field of organic Rankine Cycle Technology. Orkut Energy AG was founded in 2008. Um, it's a leading European clean tech company offering efficient energy solutions based on organic Rankine cycle or ORC technology for the conversion of waste heat into electricity. This market is estimated to attain more than 12% growth rate throughout 2032. So, Andreas, thank you very much for sitting uh, down with me today. Really keen to hear. All about ORC Energy and what you've been doing. Um, I understand that ORC Ener- Energy was born out of research that you completed at the uh, Technical University of Munich. The name's great, by the way. I'm taking that's the ORC from um, Organic Rankine Cycle. Um, and together with Dr. Andrea Schuster and Richard Alman, you recognised it would be possible to harness waste heat created during everyday processes, such as in manufacturing industrial, marine, and power generation, and develop a simple, cost-effective, and efficient energy solution. Andreas, can you tell me how you actually came to this solution, and what was the main driver behind the concept?
0: Yeah, uh, of course. So first, thanks for having me. Great talking to you. So I think we we, we saw the, as researchers at the university that um, there is a huge uh, uh, energy market and a huge um, uh, source of energy, uh, which is a costly byproduct of a normal life, modern way of living, so to speak, and that is waste heat. So, if we brew up coffee, for example, of course, there is heat as a costly byproduct. This is not really, uh, I would say, the source that we are looking at. But if you're uh, driving with a car, if you're driving with a truck, Or with a ship for example then it starts to to be really an amount of energy that is simply wasted in terms of hot exhaust gases or hot uh, jacket cooling water in in the engine room so these kind of energy sources uh, taken together form a really huge market and uh, we thought at that time that there is no real technology out there that can tap into that and that can harvest that but that's why uh, we sit together and said well we do have some kind of research already done here what does it uh, need or what does it take us uh, to to take it to the next level to transform the idea the principal technology derived at to technical university in munich to to have a product and later mature technology have a mature product and then scale up a market so i think that was uh, up uh, at that time that really drove us, uh, and uh, yeah, well, now we're here.
1: And you're here. Um, Can you share with me your latest technology? Obviously, it's advancing, uh, it's it's advanced a lot since when you started. Um, So what what have you developed uh, to enable this process from the technology point of view?
0: Um, you already mentioned it. Uh, the ORC technology is out there for at least uh, 70 years plus or so, uh, and uh, but this technology is only available in large installations. So think about power plants, so really huge installations with buildings, etc. Um, and 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 when we looked at the market, we saw that the majority. Uh, of the waste heat sources that make the volume market, that make this huge market are rather small. So we said we have to, we just have to develop technology and shrink the technology to a level of, let's say, one kilowatt to uh, several hundred kilowatt of output power. So make a product out of a power plant, make a, let's say a fridge instead of a large uh, uh, warehouse where you can store uh, things that need cooling. So really shrink uh, the technology, make it applicable, make it easy to use for for customers um, without uh, the need of staff on site, without the need of uh, um, continuous complicated maintenance, um, etc., and make it very robust and reliable. So these kind of things uh, drove us uh, at that time, and I think, um, yeah, I think I think we reached that. We now can really sell products. Um, and this was quite a quite a long uh, long journey, of course, uh, because we are, we are doing that only on the basis of off the shelf components. That means components which have been already there, um, the industry shelf, but not uh, for an R C uh, process, of course, but let's say for chilling uh, the chilling industry, for 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 cars, for uh, some industrial process, etc. And we developed the technology. To enable these uh, components to do their job um, and work within the original specifications uh, within our product so uh, to really uh, have a uh, developed supply chain having available all these components uh, to build a product and, and that uh, the customer use it
1: and i think haven't you i think when we were talking uh, previously you mentioned you developed a bug and play process
0: Absolutely. That's uh, that's uh, what I, that's basically what what we meant mean with um, make it easy as possible for for the customer to really use it. So um, our products are now uh, the majority of of, of sales are uh, twenty and forty feet food containers. So it's a total standardised uh, power plant uh, and is. Developed in a a way that it has always the same kind of interfaces so that you can easily connect it to the processes of the customers. And it doesn't matter if this, let's say, a gas turbine, it's a cement plant, it's a chemical plant, it can always be the same product Um, because the interfaces are chosen in a way that they're very flexible and it's very easy to install it Mm -hmm. at the customer side. That's why we call it in many cases, a plug-and-play product.
1: Plug-and-play. Yeah, I I think that's got to be very attractive uh, in the market to the client, to your customers. Uh, But I'm guessing one of the challenges is to prove the economic value, which uh, is really important right now, as well as the clean energy aspect. How does that respond to the economic side of things?
0: Well, I think that is the big uh, misunderstanding somehow in in the whole discussion about energy transition. Um, In in many cases, uh, people think about, is it clean or is it economically attractive, right? So I think it has to be an end. Um, We are living uh, in in a society where uh, the economics, the market is a driving force, and I think you cannot work really against it. So um, I think when we want to demonstrate that uh, um, a way of living in symbiosis with uh, with uh, the climate, with the planet uh, and doing the right thing, so to speak, um, having clean and green electricity, then we have to prove that this way of living, this way of producing electricity is also better in terms of economics. So it has to be an end, not an or. And I think um, our, products and our solutions I think can prove that because um, we're recycling something that is already there, waste heat, so there are no cost of fuel. Uh, Our products are very simple, easy to use. Uh, We talked about the plug and play principle behind that. So we can produce electricity which is clean and at the same time very cost efficient. So I think that is an example, of course not the only example, but that is an example where uh, I think um, the, the energy transition, the climate change can go into the right direction, where you don't have to choose, do we want to uh, live in a, in a green, in a clean way, or can I afford it at, at the end of the day, because if, if the latter uh, is true, then I think uh, we face um, the issue of losing society, right? Uh, if not everyone can afford it, then what are we doing with the people that cannot afford it to to live a, a, a green, green way, a green life?
1: Mm-hmm. Very true. And um, I, I, I understand. I mean, from the point of view of um, your company, uh, you you have been raising fund. You have raised uh, funding um, up until the end of last year. Um, are you getting any other support? I mean, do you get any support from from governments? Because I know the governments are giving out grants to. All kinds of sectors within uh, within this clean tech and green energy. Are, are you are you getting funding from there, or is it purely funding that you're getting from investors?
0: Well, uh, I think uh, last year's round was a very successful one. It was even oversubscribed. So we decided at the end of the year that we also uh, welcome Ocean Capital as a new shareholder in the company. Um, But from the governmental side, I think there are two two aspects here. The one is providing funding or providing subsidies in some kind of, we can talk about that in a minute. And the other thing is making the right rules. So I think it's even more important um, if we look at governments and authorities to set the rules in a way that uh, the markets are open for innovation and open for the right technology. And there is still some kind of competition. What kind of technology, what kind of product, is the one um, that provides the best benefit in both worlds, economic, uh, but also in, in environmental and in and of course other aspects as well. Um, and uh, that is, I think, I think the biggest impact governments can have to setting the right rules. And we see that if we look a little bit uh, at Europe, where you have a lot of rules and regulation that I have to admit in many ways are are, um, hindering innovations and scale up of new new solutions and products. And if you compare that with other regions in the world, US, uh, Asia, China, for example, the growth rates for for new technologies are totally different. And uh, I think we are living in the fear that that the other regions of the world can overtake us, even uh, in, in fields like clean and green tech. So coming to the support in terms of money, I think, yes, it is important, especially in the start. So if you just have an idea, nobody it's hard to find people that provide you with money in the very early beginning. So governmental programs can be very helpful there. They have been very helpful in our case too. So we have been supported by the so-called Exist Forschungstransfer program which is a, a governmental program that supports people at the university researchers and other institutions uh, to prepare the working group t- to become a spin-off actually from the from the university uh, and uh, that this really really helped a lot in the early days and then there of course are additional programs RD programs, Uh, that uh, when you you have a new idea, you want to take the technology to the next level, then you can get a certain support from the government. I think these programs are good, um, but they only really generate the real impact, if also the rules in the market uh, are are made in the right uh, direction.
1: I think um, you're exactly right there. What you've said about uh, you know certain areas of the globe are sort of steaming ahead, if you excuse the, the pun, um, but they the, you know they really are investing a lot, and, and I'm sure they that we will catch up in Europe. There's lots and lots of new rules and regulations going around uh, at the moment, doing the rounds, and um, hopefully we'll get more benefit in Europe now of, of pushing uh, this technology forwards. But but having said that. Um, about a year ago, you teamed up with Baseload Capital um, to harness heat from oil and gas wells in the U.S. I didn't even know—I hadn't even thought about it, Andreas—that you got all this excess, um, you know, hot water just just wasting that heat. I mean, it never, never, never entered my head that that would happen. I just thought oil and gas. Um, this is very, very interesting that you've harnessed that. Um, what are the van- ventures have you got on the horizon? Um, around the world?
0: So thank you, first of all. Yes, uh, this this is a very exciting one. So um, uh, I think uh, broadly speaking, uh, geothermal power is, I think, one of the renewable energy sources that is also uh, not, not uh, yet developed to its full potential. And the reason for it is, uh, amongst others, that the risk of drilling is typically quite high because people tend to build uh, rather huge electricity power plants. And with our technology, uh, now you can build smaller plants. You can decentralize these. And especially um, uh, in this project, uh, together with Basel and Chevron, uh, we looked at existing holes from the oil and gas industry where you exactly know what is coming out of the ground, and you can avoid this risk of drilling, uh, this subsurface risk, and you can again use what is already there, the assets and oil gas industry. And in many cases, of course not in every case, but in many cases, uh, uh, the mixture of water and hydrocarbons coming out of the ground is at a temperature level that can be used to produce carbon-free electricity on the side. And I think that could be a way to, to really help the oil and gas industry because it's, it's simply there, right? So we can argue it's as good, it's this bad, but it's there. And if we can, can, can make it used to produce carbon-free electricity and, and, and save the planet, maybe a piece, um, a step forward, uh, I think that, that that would be really helpful. So what other ventures are out there? Of course, we, we're looking to, to very interesting regions in the world emerging markets, where there's a lot of potential, uh, where there's a high uh, speed and dynamics of how the society is developing, uh, and with society typically the energy demands developing, and um, we want to help them so that they, they can, to a certain extent, leapfrog the traditional way to build fossil fuel power plants, etc., but make more efficient ones, making uh, next generation uh, uh, power plants, um, to to not, uh, let's say, make the same historic CO2 emissions as we have done here in the Western world. So that is something where we are embarking on new ventures in, in Asia, in the Middle East, uh, in, 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 Midland, in in South America. And, and we're very excited. At the same time, we are not, uh, of course, leaving, let's say, our home market, European market behind. We're looking here very industry-specific into collaborations and segments where we can uh, build up partnership that uh, that make it um, uh, quicker uh, to really uh, deploy the technology to certain uh, industry segments and customer segments, um, because we have a lot of synergies from site one to site uh, two.
1: Mm-hmm. I, I think obviously sp- everybody's trying to move very fast, aren't they, with the clean tech uh, now, I think. Um, we're 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 in in a race I think uh, yeah, absolutely. As, as the environment
0: yeah, absolutely I think uh, I think the big point uh, here is um, people always are talking about emission rates, right so uh, what country what industry is cutting the emissions to an arbitrary chosen reference here really, yeah? but the truth is and, and, and by the way in in, in the multiple, in most of the cases, we are just lacking our goals right so we are behind mm-hmm. our goals we are not we are not uh, really uh, uh, doing good here and um uh, the uh, and looking on on the broader scale to to on on the planet i think it's very important uh, to understand that when we talk about climate change uh, we're talking about the budget problem right so the 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 the, the, the the climate reacts to a certain concentration on CO2 in the atmosphere. And there are physical uh, mechanisms that are heating up the planet and uh, also inducing some self-enforcing mechanisms and, and so on. So it's a budget problem at the end of the day and not really, let's say, a rate problem. And so the quicker we are, the higher is the certainty that we really can have an impact and if we are looking on the goal of 1.5 degrees and limit uh, the global warming to that i think we are already late and i don't want to say too late but we are very late in, the, in, in this game so that's why it's so important to really speed up and 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 to roll out existing technologies as quickly as we can and scale them to a certain level where they can really impact that because if we just wait for, for promising things, I'm a big fan of fusion power, but this probably will not be available before commercial scale, 2040, 2050-ish, something like that. And wow. if we are just waiting for that, it will be too late. It really yeah. will be too late.
1: Yeah, I think that this is, we, we we don't want to miss the bus, as they say, do we really? Um, using ARC technology, uh, this is another, another thing that I was quite amazed about. Um, ships can reduce their fossil fuel consumption by 260,000 litres per ship per year. What is the marine industry percentage uptake on this technology? And and why isn't it mandatory on all new ships? It should be in my mind, because this is a no-brainer. 260,000 litres per ship per year. Again, another number that's amazing. Um, is it is it actually mandatory, or are they using other technology? Why shouldn't they be fitted with this technology?
0: Yeah, you're absolutely right. So, so we have a, a huge fleet uh, that is doing the transportation of our goods of our uh, of, of how we are collaborating on a global scale, right? Um, and all these ships need uh, at least one engine, uh, main engine, for doing the propulsion of the ship, so driving the ship from A to B. And many of these ships not only have one, but more than one, and also auxiliary engines to provide power uh, on board of a ship. So, and all these ships are burning currently fossil fuel. So, so there is a lot of fuel consumption. So, there is a lot of uh, heat production, waste heat production ships. So, our technology can, of course, um, recycle a big portion of that and help the ship to reduce the fuel consumption the bigger the ship. And these ships and these engines are impressively huge. So also uh, the fuel consumption um, reduction can be quite quite impressive. So the the technology here is not mandatory. Uh, The IMO, the International Marine Organization has decided, uh, again, we talk about rules from the authorities, They've decided to implement rules where they're saying we do have certain energy efficiency indices for the ships, for example, and ships have to reduce the energy consumption by a certain percentage points over, over time, etc. And uh, what they say, there are certain technologies uh, that we think can do help you to meet these indices. So, they propose to use and do waste heat recovery, but they don't make it mandatory. So it's still, let's say, an open market. It's still a market at all about what kind of new solution can is the right one to, to reduce the fuel consumption in chips. And I think that is a good one. Um, as long as everyone uh, plays the same rules, uh, then I think it is really a good idea to have an, an index Saying how energy energy efficient is your ship, uh, and, and I believe in in finding the right solution. So I think it doesn't make sense to really have something uh, mandatory.
1: Mm-hmm. It's a bit like I mean, in cars we have we have this emission um, I don't regulation now, isn't it? Where where I certainly in, in the UK you can't go into certain cities without paying a a price um, if you've got a car. Of a certain age, that it, that is it, the emissions are too much. Um, should, they've got to bring some kind of regulation in. I think that's a really good good point, Andreas. Um, talking going back to Orkan Energy now, um, what what is your roadmap looking like for the next eighteen months? You've got so much going on. Tell t- tell me or share with us what your plans are.
0: So, uh, in the next month, uh, we will uh, we will really embark on, on new ventures. We will know, uh, embark on new projects. Uh, we will scale up ideas such as uh, discussed before uh, in the oil and gas segment. Uh, we will uh, tap into new regions for East, Middle East, for example, uh, are regions that really uh, deserve to focus on because there's so tremendous, huge uh, um, potential there. But of course we'll also uh, fine-tune our offerings for example to the cement industry and really try to scale up there because if you look on the cement industry the cement industry would be the, uh, the third uh, the largest country according to co2 emissions so this is really a big thing and mm-hmm. and if you look at the 4100 million tons of 2 co2 production uh, uh, cement production Uh, In the world, did you say
1: four thousand one hundred million
0: tons? Million tons of of cement production, right? My
1: goodness!
0: And per million ton, you can install about fifteen ish of our efficiency packs. That's our forty feet food container, theoretically, with the waste heat produced in the process. So this is alone is a market of more than sixty thousand of our, our units. So this is worth uh, also focusing on, uh, and, and and we're doing it, doing that. So I think we will see I think a combination of scaling in markets where we are uh, along customers, multi-site customers, and on the same uh, on the same time we are are um, starting regional activities uh, where we think uh, there is a lot of uh, a lot of waste heat produced because of certain industries. Which are concentrated in certain areas.
1: I think as well there are um, parts of the globe where there's high um, proportion of development, sort of in India, for instance, and other areas in Asia where you know there's a, there's a massive market there, isn't there, for consumption, um, and there's lots of industry development happening there. Um, if you're moving into Asia, will you will you have to partner with established companies over there? How will it work?
0: I guess so. Yes, uh, there are always local uh, specialties, uh, and uh, you, you you just need a local partner, especially if you want to be quick. And um, we have made good experience with our uh, our joint venture in China, and um, I think um, we will we will do that as well in other regions. Select good partners carefully, and um, then. Uh, Having a quick quick access uh, to the market uh, and, and scale up in, in these in these regions.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and and what opportunities are you seeing now for the waste heat to power market? Um, reports are suggesting, as I mentioned before, the biggest growth is going to be be between twenty twenty three and twenty twenty eight. Um, I think. Th- that forecast may have been made before everything that's been happening in um, between uh, the Ukraine and Russia. Uh, but nevertheless, they're, they're talking about quite a, a huge um, growth there. Do, do you think that's going to be the, the way it's going to go, Andreas?
0: Well, I think I think uh, I can absolutely agree that, that this is a huge market. Uh, we believe that the market is about 300 billion euros uh, uh, in, in the midterm. I think it's always difficult for for uh, to to comment on specific studies because uh, these studies tend to evaluate only technology that they know, and um, we are here with new products, new solutions, shifting a little bit the boundaries. But I think it's very important uh, that uh, this kind of technology is entering the market really quickly, um, because it's there. It can be scaled. It can make an impact. So um, I think. It, I think, yeah, well, they could be right that we will see high growth rates. The only point is, I do not see a reason why the growth should really slow down uh, afterwards. Because if, for example, ships uh, are, are switching to e fuels, to, to non fossil fuel based uh, um, fuels, um, then the price of these fuels will just be higher. So, energy efficiency from a commercial point of view it will be even more important. Uh, so, I do not see that this market is really limited uh, uh, for the next, let's say, 10, 20 years and so. So I, I think I think that will really be a, a huge market and a, and, and a good growth rate uh, that is possible in this market.
1: Mm-hmm. Andreas, thanks so much. And I really mean that for your time today. I know you've got to be incredibly busy. Um, it's been really interesting to learn more about Orkin Energy and the WHP market. A massive market, 300 billion euros. You said. I think uh, this is the market to watch. I think most definitely, um, and uh, it's not it's without. It's a market that is sustainable, and it's without adding to the global carbon emissions in any shape or form. Uh, which I think is is uh, remarkable, and certainly a major player in the circular economy. And it's really super to see companies such as your company, Orkan Energy, having a real impact in this way. I love the plug and play idea. It's really, you know, I'm really taken with that. I, I, I've researched a little bit more about it since we first spoke. Just um, very impressive, and and I can just see you coming with all kinds of. Um, opportunities to develop technology in a different way that that you could that has been used maybe in other technological mar- technology driven markets, but you're appropriating it into this. I think it's very exciting. I think your company is very exciting and it's been an absolute pleasure. You must be just so incredibly busy. there's so much going on, but I, I need to wish you luck um what well, I don't think you're going to need it really, but lots of success I can see coming your way. So thank you again, Andreas. This is really much appreciated.
0: Thank you very much and yeah we're looking forward to it to the journey and we hope really that we can make an impact uh, on many different levels so thank you very much thank you for the time